In the name of the one, holy and living God, amen. I do not remember the last time I preached from the pulpit on a Sunday with a full text, but you know, every now and then it's good to mix it up. Today we celebrate the reign of Christ. Though on Thursday, when I was editing the bulletin, it auto-corrected to the reign of Chris. <laughs> it's good to be the king. <laughs> Today is also known as Christ the King Sunday, and it really comes down to whether you put the emphasis on Christ's activity, reigning, or on Christ's status, being the king. Uh, reign of Christ also gets a little more commonly used in places like the U.S. that don't have a king, uh, where the juxtapositionism is sharp. But Christ the king is the original name of this day, and it is a relatively recent addition to the church year. It was proclaimed by Pope Pius XI in 1925, and then later adopted by Anglican and other Protestant churches, and then moved from when it was observed in October to the final Sunday of the church year. Pope Pius started the feast following World War I in response to growing secularism and nationalism. Now think about that. A hundred years ago, the church was worried about growing secularism. And here we are today, gathered in Marin County, which has one of the lowest rates of religious affiliation in the entire country, after a pandemic that has significantly impacted attendance at religious services across the entire country. And sadly, nationalist movements seem to be on the rise. Originally, Christ the King Sunday had a heavy emphasis on judgment. And in the Lutheran Church of Sweden, it was called Sunday of Doom. <laughs> that should have been an Ingmar Bergman film, by the way. In declaring the feast, Pope Pius wrote, the feast of Christ the King will call to earthly rulers' minds the thought of the last judgment, wherein Christ who has been cast out of public life, despised, neglected, and ignored, will most severely avenge these insults. For his kingly dignity demands that the state should take account of the commandments of God and Christian principles, both in making laws and in administering justice. Now, it has to be said that Pius was not exactly pious in his intent. He founded the feast at the very time when the Vatican was in conflict with the Italian government over the sovereignty of the Holy See and Vatican City. So uh, the Pope himself had some significant political motivation to install this feast day. But the readings that are now used for Christ the King tell a very different story. Jesus was crucified for sedition, 
for rebelling against Rome. The sign of the cross read, King of the Jews. Proclaiming that Jesus was a king was a direct threat to Roman rule. In Jewish worship, there is a prayer that says, You are in truth Lord of your people, their defender and mighty king. You are first and you are last. We have no king or redeemer but you. Yet remember that at Jesus' trial, the Jewish leaders proclaimed, We have no king but Caesar. It was mostly to preserve their own power, but this acquiescence to Roman authority also helps seal Jesus' fate. Interpretations with this, of course, have been problematic because this is the origin of the sinful anti-Semitic notion that the Jews killed Jesus. Once the church became the empire instead of outcasts, Jews were scapegoated by the church in the same way that Jesus was scapegoated. And we all know that the human cost of this anti-Semitism has been appalling in history. So here we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords enthroned on the cross with a crown of thorns. This brutal scene shows us the kingship of Christ. Rather than the avenging Christ Pope Pius envisioned, what we really see is power used in a different way. From the cross, we see the true power of God expressed in vulnerability. As one writer said, on the cross, Jesus is the fullest human expression of God's vulnerability, embraces our humanity in all of its limitation and humiliation. At this coronation, Jesus' rule is seen in forgiveness and in unwavering self-giving love, even to those who have not been loyal to him. The ruler of the kingdom of God, the ruler of heaven and earth, does not help himself. He helps those who need his help. Are we seeing how God expresses leadership in this moment? Do we model that in our lives? As Pope Pius hoped for in starting the feast, do we expect it of our own political business and community leaders? I don't know if any of you are following the news uh, of Twitter the last couple weeks. Um, I like watching NASCAR and Formula One for the crashes. Uh, the Twitter news is kind of like the best NASCAR pileup you've ever seen. And the leadership we're seeing is the exact opposite of what's being espoused in this gospel today, right? Like maybe leading a company uncaringly like a monarch and casting people aside, especially if they don't agree with you, may not be the leadership God calls us to, even in business. Pope Pius said that Christ is the king of our hearts by reason of his charity, which exceeds all understanding. 
On this Sunday, let us ask ourselves, who is the king of my heart? Have I been more captive to the powers of this world than loyal to the way of Jesus? In the context of our gospel reading, the feast of Christ the King comes down to one question. Which of the criminals are you? I really think that is the fundamental choice in response to this reading. By the way, it's worth noting that the word Luke uses for criminal here does not mean thief, the word that is used in the other Gospels. Rather, the word Luke uses for criminal means a member of an organized gang that was working to undermine Roman rule. So the two criminals are also being crucified for sedition. Put yourself in their place on either side of Jesus. One criminal joins the leaders and soldiers in mocking Jesus, but also asks to be saved. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This is the way of the world, the way of earthly kings. We turn to Jesus only when we need him. Otherwise, we are the king of our lives. We ask for help when we need it. We blame God when bad things happen. But when good things come to us, it is due entirely to our own merit. The other criminal sees that the innocent Jesus is dying in order to save us from the sentence of condemnation. He sees that Jesus is most powerful when he is most vulnerable and self-giving. This criminal matches Jesus' vulnerability with his own. He confesses and asks for mercy. So there is the choice. Which of the criminals are you? Which one am I? Truth be told, I fluctuate between them, hopefully spending more and more time resembling the criminal who repented, and less like the one who turned to Jesus only out of self-interest. Of course, Christ's property is always to show mercy, just as he showed mercy to those who crucified him. As we experience Christ's mercy in our own lives, may it remind us to show that same mercy to others. Our pledge of allegiance to our King is a pledge to live a cross-shaped life, a pledge to walk in the way of love, to be vulnerable and not hide our weakness. Our pledge of allegiance to our King is a prayer to the one who in great humility conquered death by death. Jesus died for us so that we might live for others. Jesus, remember me when you come.